Well, welcome everyone to the Robin Walters Show. I'm just here to tell you that, you know what, we just really don't have anything to talk about today. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, that was facetious. I can't imagine having more to talk about, less time to do it in. But I will say here at the onset, because I won't remember it later, for those of you who listen to Sunday Morning with Robin Walter, which uh, you will get right about a little bit later than this program. That program is the biblical companion to this program as we deal with the issue at hand, obviously dealing with terrorism, Palestinians, Hamas, Jews. What does the Bible say? I cover a fair amount of Scripture in this program, but the companion to it is the Sunday morning with Robin Walter program where we just unload with the Scripture that's necessary for people to understand who are the good guys and who are the bad guys, if there's any real question about it. It's resolved and resolved biblically. But I'm going to do, I'm going to start a little bit differently this day, uh, today. Uh, Of course, we do start with the good news, and the good news is that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful issue in life. Meaningful issue in life. It may not tell me what to put in my bird feeder for um, for flickers. Uh, no, I don't want flickers, but uh, anyway, it doesn't tell me that. But I got other resources. We talked about reasonable issues, serious and important issues. The Bible covers everything. If you say no, it's because you haven't read it or read it enough times to have the Holy Spirit open up these things to you. But I can say this. Everything that we are talking about here today and on the Sunday morning with Robin Walter, and actually everything that all the pundits are considering deal with biblical issues that are rooted in the Old Testament. And with that, we're going to get going, because I'm going to start today with a an unknown terrorism functioning here in the United States for just a few minutes. We're going to go to Israel and Hamas, to the known terrorists, deal with that extensively, and then we're going to finish with the new known terrorists here in the United States. Yeah. All right. The unearthed ones. We just It's been unearthed here. And it, who are the terrorists right now? I'm going to have to say that are unknown to most people working like um, whatever, termites, 24-7 to destroy this country. They happen to be lodged in a number of government agencies, but I'm going to only pick on one today, the IRS. Because of what has been unlocked through uh, American Center for Law and Justice FOIA request, the IRS has 345,000 agents. No, no. 345,000 pages of documents 
related to targeting Christians. That's right. We're in the bullseye. We are the bullseye. The IRS is just one of them. I mean, Barack Obama unleashed his, uh, the IRS on us to help him win the election in 2012. But the litigation shows more than 56,000 pages of IRS documents relating to the word Bible, 115,000 documents relating to the word Christian, 26,000 documents relating to the Word of God, and 50,000 documents relating to prayer. What does that tell you? This all goes back to they have been unleashed to make sure that we don't have any 501c3 organizations, that we don't have any influence, that we can't speak. And you can thank that stink pot, Barack Obama. After all, that's why his initials are B.O., right? For unleashing this. There are all kinds of enemies of the true and the faithful and the patriots in this country, but the worst are the domestic terrorists, not what the DOJ or the FBI or the Department of Homeland Security identifies. No, it's the federal agencies, if they would just go look in the mirror, they've identified the most serious domestic terrorists that we presently have. It's going to get worse, which you will find out at the end of the program. Now, let's move to the issue in Israel um, this is pretty amazing. When, when Jake Tapper, the CNN, whatever, water boy for the left, he comes out and says, so you have a Democratic colleague here from Michigan, Tapper said, Congressman Rashida Tlaib, the first Palestinian American to serve in Congress, and she released the statement that she says, I grieve the Palestinians and Israel lives lost. The path to peace must include uplifting the blockade and ending the occupation of Gaza. Hey, Rashida, you retard. Gaza is not occupied. Oh, wait a minute. It is. It's occupied by Hamas. She's not talking about Hamas. She's talking about Israel. Israel does not occupy Gaza. They gave it. They gave it up in two thousand five. Nitwit. Oh my gosh. And and Tapper said, you know, these last few days have really been eye opening to all the anti semitism on the left. Tapper just now figured this out because he's a CNN left-wing water boy. How many years have I said this one thing? Every single Jew hater in Congress is a Democrat. Every single Jew hater in Congress is a Democrat. The squad, they all hate the Jews. Obama's advisors, I could go down the list, they were Jew haters. He hung around with anti-Semites. All his posturing about, oh, we got to support Israel, blah, blah, blah. It's a bunch of crap coming out of his mouth and coming out of Biden's mouth. I mean, after all, it was Obama that entered into the 
thing with Iran allowing them to enrich uranium now and handing them a whole bunch of money, and you saw those crates full of cash from his uh, the last year in his office that went off to Tehran, which makes its way to Hamas and Hezbollah and everybody else at Haran, that Iran, which is state-sponsored terrorist on the state-sponsored terrorist list, used to beat up our enemies. Obama is a Jew hater from the deepest part of his body. It's just that he's slick and slimy, and most people don't pick up on it, and he courts Jews to try to get their their money. It worked. It worked pretty well. I don't know why the Jews can be so smart in so many things and so stinking blind as to who really hates them. Next piece. So Israel has now distributing 10,000. This is the headline. 10,000 assault rifles are being distributed to Israeli civilian security teams. Okay, this is interesting because Israel on the spot all of a sudden realizes they need a second amendment because the people aren't armed. Look at this. You unarm yourself and you just, and guess what? Your enemy is armed to the teeth and you aren't. And they just now figured this out. Get with it, people. 10,000. And listen to what they call them. They're still assault rifles. The Jews are trying feverishly, the civilians, the army military is on the attack. The civilians are not on the attack. So giving 10,000 assault rifles to civilian teams is obviously a misnomer. They still can't get it right, even at Breitbart. They aren't assault rifles if they aren't assaulting anyone. They're defense weapons because that's what the civilians do. The army and the other military forces are the ones, if you want to call them assault rifles in their hands, go ahead, because they're the ones that are striking back. But they're defense weapons, not assault weapons in the hands of the civilians, and frankly, to a large part of the enemy. Against the enemy, I'm sorry. It's a defense against the enemy. So uh, one party wrote in to me and said, uh, what's the definition of a ceasefire? This just blows me away that the left was calling for uh, a ceasefire. Uh, Biden administration telling Israel to refrain from violence. Blinken scrubs his post calling for a truce and a ceasefire. So wait a second. Somebody breaks in your house, and they're, they've killed a couple of your children, and you're supposed to call a ceasefire as the, uh, the parent of the children being murdered? A ceasefire? You don't defend what you have? You don't retaliate necessary to stop the slaughter and the barbaric destruction of these animals? They're animals that are better trained than Hamas, filled with a rage. Well, I like what one of our listeners said. said the definition of a ceasefire is when every single one of your enemy is dead. I have no problem with Israel going in there and wasting all of Gaza. Right? It is occupied, not by Israel. It's occupied by Hamas. 
And if those weenies are going to hide behind girls and women's skirts and hijabs and all of that stuff, then I'm afraid the kids get caught in the crossfire. Israel told them, get the heck out of Gaza. Go to Egypt. Go to Egypt. Because we're going to blow the crap out of you. And they should. And I will give you the biblical basis for doing just that. Ceasefire. When every single one of your enemies is dead. It's kind of a takeoff of Jefferson's definition of peace. It's kind of along that same vein. Where he says that brief period of time when everyone stands around reloading. And then you get to this gutless, feckless network out of Canada, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. What a pile of hooey they dish up as as a, uh, as whatever. Well, it's hooey. Don't refer to Hamas as terrorists. That's what they're saying. Don't mention that Gaza has not been occupied since 2005. That's what they are saying to the reporters. Don't tell anybody that Gaza actually has not been occupied until 2000, since 2005, but continue to trade on the misinformation, the disinformation, and the lying from those stupidos called the, the squad and B.O., Barack Obama and Joey Cornpop Biden, Keep spilling the beans that Israel is, is, is occupied Gaza. They haven't occupied it in 18 years. So the Canadians, what a crap pot that country has become. God, don't, don't tell them that Gaza has not been occupied since 2005. That's a quote. And don't refer to Palestinian. This is interesting. Do not refer to the Palestinian terrorists as terrorists. Jeez. Okay, so the left keeps going the left, the direction the left has been going. You know, they got a freight train going 100 miles an hour. They don't slow that puppy down and turn it around on a dime. So they continue with their lies. They continue with their pro-Palestinian bullcrap. Their hatred of the Jews. And what happens when they see that the, their train is now ready to derail, all of a sudden, they go, yikes, we may have pushed it a little bit too far. So the Biden has a Palestinian affairs office that scrubs the post, telling Israel to refrain from violence. Good luck, Chuck you know that there are multiple Iranians in the Biden administration? They have incorporated the enemy into the very seat of our government. And then Blinken, with us, he goes to post calling for the truce or ceasefire. So somebody just kills 1,200 of your citizens, rapes the women, and some other things which I'm going to share. You may not know of how horrid and barbaric this is. And after all the slaughter is done by one side... Oh, now let's have a ceasefire. My goodness sakes. You know, it's one thing for this country to be so engaged in the propagation, perpetration, and exportation of gross sin in all of its ways, shapes, and sizes. But then to add to all of that a despicable, open, public, obvious, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel 
perspective in everything that they do or say until they perceive the public is not going their way. And then all of a sudden they they come out with something. Do you know what? Why did it take B.O. Stinkpot Obama three days to come out in somehow in somewhat of a defense of Israel uh, and saying these the Palestinians just uh, overdid it? It's because he's one of the Palestinians in thought and in mind and in spirit. He hates Jews. He only spoke because it looked really crappy for him to not speak. We all know he's on the wrong side. I mean, I don't know if the Antichrist is alive today, but it seemed like it would be neck and neck between Barack Obama and Gavin Newsom. So let's come down from the federal government a little bit. Let's move over to Harvard, Harvard University. I got to tell you, I don't care if any, if my, I got some grandkids now, if they were offered a full ride to Harvard, I would say, skip that piece of crap institution. Because when you get that diploma, as far as I'm concerned, whatever it used to be worth, oh, it's Harvard, it's Harvard. I'll tell you right now, it sort of is kind of on an equal level with toilet paper. The Harvard students stand firmly with Palestinian terrorists after the attack. 57 different Harvard University groups, student groups, student groups, 57 of them have come out in complete and full support, unbridled support for the Palestinians and the absolute slaughter of Israeli students, Israeli citizens, adults, young children, pregnant women, you name it. So is this what you get at Harvard? Is If this is the extent of intelligence on campus, skip them. And we, and we see why they're so big of AI, artificial intelligence, because apparently the students have no natural intelligence. They certainly don't have any heart. They don't have any compassion for human life. Not at all. Then the student groups got together and demanded that the Harvard community, quote, take action against Israel. What? Israel hasn't done anything yet when they did when they said this. We only had the Hamas attacks, the and the, and the Harvard students are demanding that the community take action against Israel. For what? Just sitting there and being slaughtered? How do you take action against somebody who hasn't even been taking any action? Because they just got slaughtered. They went on to say, Today the Palestinian ordeal enters into uncharted territory. The coming days will require a firm stand against colonial retaliation. In other words, you don't get to defend yourself or retaliate, Israel. It doesn't matter how crappy and from the pit of hell your little bloody Palestinians are who suck with a capital S. That's what they told Breitbart News. The lack of humanity from this group of students is astounding, says Breitbart News. And for what? They go on to talk about the occupied territory. Like I said, it's not been occupied. And what? Three days later? Three days later, the Harvard administration, looking like they got dog crap on their face, comes out with a mealy-mouthed, 
uh, not attack, just statement against what the Palestinians did. Not giving any rights to the Jews to defend themselves or to retaliate. Like Gretchen Whitmer, what a load of dog do is she? Sorry, folks, I am worked up. This ticks me off. It ticks me off so much. It's hard for me to contain myself in this broadcast. When she comes out and said, we need to pray or you know, we need to uh, have empathy or whatever for everybody uh, in the region. She doesn't mention Hamas slaughtering anybody. She doesn't mention the Israelis. She doesn't mention the Jews. She just takes this namby-pamby left wing. Gosh, you know what? I, if I, I will say as little as I can in support of the Jews, but without tipping my hand to the left that I actually really truly do support any Jews. One last thing about these student groups. And the administration that supposedly comes out with a, what, what they call a strong statement in support of Israel. How do you think the 57 different groups at Harvard became brain-whacked, savage blood from their eye teeth, dripping Palestinian supporters and Jew haters? 57 groups. How did they become that? If they weren't taught that, at Harvard. If it wasn't supported by the administration at Harvard. If they didn't have crappy professors that were from that were to the left of Fidel Castro at Harvard. You know, th- these, these students didn't pick it up in grade school or in high school. They got it at Harvard. Fifty seven groups formed to hate Israel and push Palestinian terror, and now the administration is supposed to somehow come out in defense of all these these little these little uh, Palestinian little lightweights, snowflakes. How did they get there? Why? Look to the administration. Look to the faculty. Why would you submit your children even on a full ride to that university? It's unsafe. At any speed. You now you know how old I am because that's that was a quote of Ralph Nader talking about the Corvair. Oh yikes! Okay, now what are they actually doing? I cannot go too deep into this because it is so gruesome. But they're they're unspeakable horrors. They are barbaric. The ruthless murders. Hamas, so far, we're up to about 1,200 Jews have been killed. Forty of them, at a minimum, they say there are more, but they know for a fact there's 40 of them, are babies and young children who were killed before Hamas then beheaded the babies and the young children. The families that were gunned down in their beds. Others that were burned alive. Why on earth would you not come back and just level Gaza so their population goes from whatever, a million to about five? Sorry. We're going to get to the Bible verse that actually substantiates the eradication of Hamas, and if in so doing... They're going to be hiding behind children in women's skirts. Then they're the ones that are that are uh, that are in for it. They're the ones that are accommodating their host terrorist group. 
That is their country. You cannot avoid the civilian damage. Then there is the Hamas terrorist, which you probably heard about this, who killed this Israeli grandmother. And her granddaughter, how does she find out? She goes to her grandma's Facebook page. And the Hamas got on grandma's phone after they slaughtered her and posted this young girl's grandma's execution on grandma's own Facebook page. This is how her granddaughter finds out that they slaughtered her grandmother and it gets posted on her grandmother's own Facebook page. Oh, my goodness sakes. All right. Then we have the very first known victim. Now, some of you are not going to like what I'm going to say here. Maybe a lot of you. I hope you don't turn me off. Just listen to what I have to say, because what I'm saying is the truth. And I'm not trying to make a particular biblical statement. I'm just saying, as the saying goes, the naked woman, who I guess we don't know if she's dead or if she's just captive, but she was seen on the video. Uh, I think she had underwear on, uh, face down, uh, loaded with tattoos. She's a tattoo artist of German descent. I think, German-Jewish woman who was at this party in the desert. And this woman got picked on by the jeering Hamas terrorists, threw her in the back of the truck or the Jeep, and prayed her around as everybody's mocking the either dead or comatose, whatever, tattooed-laden Jewish woman. So, this is what the media will not cover. This is the things that I will tell you that nobody else is going to tell you. And I may lose listeners over it, but I will never shy away from the truth. Why did they pick on this woman in particular to mock, to jeer, to parade around and have people just make fun of this basically naked woman? Here's why. You ready? Okay, going to jump into it. Hamas and strict Muslims have little use for women, right? Not as much as they do for men. With that, we know. They have even less use for Jewish women. And they have even less use for Jewish women with tattoos. This is what the news won't share. Now, I'm going to back up a second and share something with you. Leviticus 19.28. Write it down, Leviticus 19.28. I'm not trying to preach a sermon about this, but I'm just saying. Leviticus 19.28 says, you shall, in the New King James, it says, you shall not put tattoos on your body. That's what it says. And the King James says, you shall not print marks on your body. And some people have said, well, that means a cutting of the flesh. No, it doesn't, because the verse says you shall not cut your flesh nor put marks on your body. So obviously they mean two different things. Who follows that? Hasidic Jews? Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox 
Jews will not put tattoos on their body. I knew a fellow who wasn't the least bit ultra-Orthodox or Orthodox. He was just a secular Jew. His name was John, knew him well, good friend. And I said, hey, hey, John, what? somebody said something about you You guys, we don't have tattoos, right? He said, oh, gosh, no, we don't have tattoos. That's against our culture, our rules. And he wasn't even ultra-Orthodox. Because the passage, Leviticus 19.28, which most Christians ignore, some follow, is actually followed by the Jews. And it's also followed in the Hadiths, which is the Koran's explanation by very highly exalted imams that you don't put tattoos. What does it mean under Sharia law to have tattoos? And if you're a woman, there's only one word that really expresses it from what I can tell. I've read the Koran, and I've read a bunch of the Hadiths. It means, if you do this, it means you are dirty. Dirty, as in sexually dirty, as in maybe a whore or a prostitute. So to the Hamas fighters, a tattooed Jewish woman is just a whore. And they feel like they have every single right in the world to kill her, make fun of her, what have you. Sorry about that, but we had to cover it. So you know why that story was making the rounds and why nobody told you why it was making the rounds. We'll be right back. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to... Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, are back with Robin Walter. I need to restate this. I'm not trying to preach a sermon here about tattoos. I don't have one. And I and 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 frankly, it's because I know this passage out of Leviticus. I'm not here to condemn those who who do. Most do it in ignorance. Some I know that have discovered this verse have gone back and paid a lot of money to have them removed. I'm not trying to make a statement other than the fact that this is why this happened. Okay? Ready? Let's move along. Um, I want to thank a listener in Michigan for this comment, or at least brought the topic to my mind. That why, okay, so people are saying we don't need to be helping Israel in its attack against Hamas. Well, of course we do. Now, I know they sent the Gerald R. Ford um, aircraft carrier over into the Mediterranean, and the Gerald R. Ford aircraft carrier isn't going to do any more help 
to Israel isn't going to be any better there than Gerald R. Ford was in the House of Representatives. Um, as conservative as I am, I'd never really particularly liked Jerry Ford, and I lived in his district in Michigan. But the point that was brought out by this Michigan listener is let's stack up the two sides, Israel and Ukraine. Billions and over $100 billion to help the Ukrainians. $3.8 billion for Israel. Now, I'm not saying they need more. or they need, I don't know what they need. But the fact of the matter is, if we somehow get engaged in a way that's going to help them, I don't know, it's not going to be boots on the ground, maybe as close as we can get to it without being that. I don't know. But it's going to, it's, it's got the Democrats so twisted in their own underwear that they don't know what to do. They've got everybody that's Palestinian supporter in the United States, Hamas, Muslims, they're all on the left. Almost, almost all of them vote Democrat. And the, and the left has catered to that. And now they're getting pushed back seriously from people like Jake Tapper and those water boys that have been carrying their water forever. And now they don't know what to do. That's why they keep posting tweets and then repulling them and then repulling their posts because they're, they're, they're just throwing darts at a dartboard hoping they can get it right and they can't. Because when you lie, and then you lie about your lies, and then you lie about their lies about your lies, you don't know what lie you need to tell next to clear the air, because you can't. Israel, an ally. Ukraine has never been an ally. Israel, maybe the best ally we have in the world. I'm serious. Obviously, in the Middle East, Ukraine a corrupt country only slightly, and I still totally agree with Tucker Carlson, it's only slightly less corrupt than Russia. And I could be wrong. Maybe they aren't slightly less corrupt. Maybe they are just as corrupt or more than more corrupt than Russia. They aren't an ally. They've, my oh God, I don't know. I got I to gotta stop there and move on. So the, the blame for this terrorism, the war on Israel, we have two finalists vying for the number one spot for blame for the war on terrorists. It's either B.O. or J.B. Those are our two choices, Barack Obama or Joey Biden. Quoting here from uh, World Net Daily, a little piece. Quote, the Obama, Biden, Obama administration and the Biden administration, this neo-Marxist democratic regime that has been in place since 2009 is anti-Israeli and pro-Iranian. Their foreign policy objective is to hand over hegemony of the Middle East to Iran. For those of you who don't know, hegemony means a singular control of a large or an amalgamation of countries or entities to be in control over them. They have had one consistent objective. And now I'm quoting from Chris Gasek, Senior Fellow for Regulatory Affairs at the Family Research Council. He says, quote, they have had one consistent objective. They have been trying for two administrations to undermine 
Israeli security. They've lied about it and lied about it and lied about it. But experts say that the deadly attack, which is ongoing, could never have taken place, never have taken place without the active support of the last two democratic administrations, which have supported radical Islam in order to correct the legacy of perceived Western colonialism. End quote. So where do we stand? Because of Obama and then being uh, Biden being Obama 2.0. So we had 13 that did, died needlessly in Afghanistan. We're up to 11 Americans dead that we know of in Israel. We're up to 1,200 Israeli citizens dead in an attack that would never, ever, ever, ever have occurred if Donald Trump were president. So let's throw in those 1,200. Let's throw in the 50,000 fentanyl deaths that occur each year because of our open borders. And I have to ask this question. It's rhetorical. There is so much blood on the hands of Joe Biden and actually Barack Obama that, in my opinion, makes people who voted for either one or both of those individuals participants in the bloodletting. It's the way I feel. And oh, Tom Cotton, a great, a great senator from our Arkansas. He said in an article here in the Washington Examiner that there have been thousands of illegal aliens that are now in the United States from what they call special interest nations, which means the nations that have ties to terrorist groups that have been arrested at the border just since Biden took office. See, now, Brock didn't do that. Brock had to usher in the preferatory a downgrading of the United States and weakening for Joey Cornpop to pick it up after, after Barack was done. Cotton goes on to say, quote, think about this. It only took 19 Al-Qaeda operatives to kill nearly 3,000 Americans on September 11, 2001. Many, many times that number of known terrorists have crossed our southern border now just since Joe Biden took office. His open border has now become the gravest terrorist threat to the U.S. homeland. And he went on to say that the FBI, and these are only the ones they've caught, 151 non-U.S. citizen terrorists determined to be on the FBI terror watch list or affiliated with those who are, have been picked up at the border, 151. But how many hundreds or thousands have come through our porous open border that the FBI has no way of picking up on? There are now a minimum of 10,000, minimum of 10,000 illegal immigrants from countries with ties to terrorism, including but not limited to Afghanistan, Egypt, 
Iran, and Syria that have been arrested at the border in 24 months, October of 21 to October of 23. 10,000 illegals have been arrested that have known ties, or they have ties to countries that are sponsors of terrorism. The other 151 were known terrorists. These are terrorists that just, we don't know, but we don't know what, the, what they've done. That's how, that's how serious this whole situation is. Now I'm going to get, it's going to get worse yet here. The potential terrorists from Syria in particular, in particular Syria, which I got to throw something in here. It just kind of jumped into my head. When you look at the attacks that Israel had throughout the Old Testament, more attacks came from Syria and Assyria than the Palestinians, than the uh, than than all the others. Actually, it was Assyrians and Assyrians that attacked Israel the most. And why did they? Because God brought them into the country. That's right. He put a hook in their mouth, whether it was resin, whether it was Hadad. We've got, Mo, uh, we got Eglon, who was the king of Moab, that, were, that all came in as a result of Israel's gross and non-repentant behavior towards God. Their extreme and egregious disobedience of the most basic of God's commands. And God was long-suffering, but after a while, um, he'd had it. His spirit doesn't always strive with man. And what did they do? Sadly, as part of the necessity of bringing Israel back to God was to get them to repent. Did they repent when the prophets came along and godly priests? Well, they ended up with false prophets and horrific pastors and priests. Kind of the direction we're going. But did they repent when godly prophets came along and the godly priests spoke out? By and large, no. They rejected them. And there was no other way to bring Israel back than to spank them in the derriere and spank them ferociously. So let me just read you a passage here. I could read you so many, but I don't have the time. Coming out of the book of Hosea. If you know the book of Hosea, and it begins with in um, Hosea 13. And, and this is just, like I said, this is just one example. Hosea 13, verse 16. And Samaria, which has been very, very persistently disobedient to God's word, and they knew better, which is why the punishment so severe to the nation that knows better. Can you say United States? second only to Israel in the revelation and blessing that's been given to this country. Remember, judgment begins at the house of God. It begins at the places that were once the godly and now are distinctly ungodly is where the judgment begins. So it says, Samaria shall become desolate, for she has rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword, 
You ready for this? And their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with child shall be ripped up. Uh, can we just back up about six or seven days? Five, whenever you're hearing this? The 40 children and, and babies and, and infants that were killed and then beheaded? The women ripped and shredded? Um, it's not very kind. But invariably through the word, when the nation does not listen and does not listen and does not listen, and it continues in very repugnant behavior and manner, God will bring in, as I said, it's always the foreigners to spank the once godly nation. And they have to get hurt so badly that guess what? They will finally repent. Because they didn't listen to the priests, the pastors, the prophets. They've rejected all that, or the pastors, priests, and prophets uh, bailed on their assigned duties. But now I want you to turn to one other passage I want to bring up here. Jeremiah 5. And Jeremiah 5 is an interesting passage because this is the second part of this. What happens after Israel gets shredded, or maybe the United States gets shredded? We've got foreigners coming in to do us harm that will make the attack on southern Israel by Hamas look like a patty cake party. I don't have any doubt in my mind because it comes right out of the word of God. So in Jeremiah, but what happens then? Um, he talks about who it is that's going to deal with Israel. Well, who is it's going to deal with the United States? He said it's a mighty nation, an ancient nation. Remember now the who I said is crossing the border from Iran, Syria, Afghanistan, Egypt. Those are the, those are the terrorists crossing our southern border. It's an ancient nation, a nation whose language you do not know, nor do you understand what they say. They shall eat up your harvest. Now think Cloward Piven, where, where, where a, a constitutional republic is undone by virtue of placing incredible demands and taxes and demand for social services and free lunches and you name it. The demand is made upon the government that the government collapses, it can't hold up, and it falls into socialism. That's exactly what's happening with 7 million illegals. Well, they got, oh, they got 1,100 of them housed in one high-end hotel alone in Manhattan, all paid for by the U.S. taxpayer. They shall eat up your harvest. That's exactly what's happening. And thy bread, which thy sons and thy daughters should eat, they shall eat up thy flocks and your herds. In other words, they'll consume the inheritance you've set aside for your children and your grandchildren. They shall eat up the vines and the fig trees. They shall impoverish the fenced cities. The cities. Now we got all these demon-crap mayors complaining about the policies that have supported for so long about sanctuary cities and unbridled immigration. Now they're complaining. Because why? They're eating up their cities wherein you used to trust. That's where they are. That's where we are here in the United States. Now we get to something that, boy, I, I got to try. I got to fit this in because it's really, 
really important. How is it that the Jews can return this sort of, if you want to call it, behavior upon Hamas and the civilians that they hide behind? How can they do that? Because that's what they're going to do, and they should do it. All's fair in love and war, is that how it goes? But the fact of the matter is this comes right out of the Word of God. In the book of Deuteronomy, and I want to go to Deuteronomy. Um, this is Moses. I'm sorry, I lost it for a second here. Deuteronomy 2, 34. And when God uses foreigners with very evil intent to spank his own children severely, he will end up then, if they repent, visiting judgment in like kind against the invaders that he brought in. Sounds crazy, but you ask God why he does it that way. But it's clear if you are a student of the Old Testament. For it says there, it says, And we took all the cities, this is Moses writing, at that time, and we utterly destroyed the men and the women and the little ones of every city. We left none to remain. We only took the cattle for a prey for ourselves and the spoil of the cities which we took. And in the command of Saul to knock out Agag, God said to Saul, you kill the men, the women, the children, and kill all of their animals. Kill everything. Lay waste. You say, well, that doesn't sound like a loving God. Well, if you understood that these groups of people are barbarians that hate the word of God, God's just using them. They hate the word of God. To have them come in and participate, partake in, and become part of your culture, you've got your daughters marrying these these wild men from Borneo, so to speak, and vice versa, your men wearing, marrying their young women and become the idolatry grows exponentially, the sin grows exponentially. And guess what? The eight or nine-year-olds that get killed, I, I just simply have to say this, they're in God's hands. Maybe they aren't accountable, but I can tell you this, if, if, if they, they were left to live, I know you don't like this, but th I'm only giving you two examples out of the Word. And there's many of this. So you explain it to me why God did this if this isn't the case. Guess what? Those eight and nine-year-olds grow up, and all they know is they hate the people that killed their mommy and daddy and their grandma and grandpa. And they vow to wreck and administer vengeance against the alleged perpetrators. You've left the seed of your own eventual destruction if it's not done that way. That's why I'm not encouraging Israel to do it. I'm just saying I understand biblically why it has to happen. If they go in there and they try to just pick on Hamas and a few parents get killed and so forth and maybe a few children, boy, there's going to be a whole lot of children, a lot more children that are just going to grow up and say, kill every single Jew you ever see. You know, you don't, they, don't, they don't get to play by their rules, and then we can't play by the same rules. You don't, have a, you don't have a guy come into your house with a knife, and then you have a gun, and people lament the fact that you are a disproportionate response to the invader. 
or like those losers, the squad advocated a few years ago, and they said, it's not fair that Israel has the the Iron Dome. They need to share that technology with the Palestinians so they can have the Iron Dome defense against Jewish rockets. How stupid and evil could the squad be and all those that think like that? So a person breaks into your house with a knife, you got the loaded 357 Magnum to blow them to kingdom come, and you got the right to do it. Except, by this way of thinking, you don't have the right until you also go find another 357 Magnum that's loaded and give it to that party so it's supposedly a fair fight. How stupid. Now, the squad and others are calling for a proportionate response. I want to leave you something that's going to blow you away. What if I said I agree with a proportionate response? Say, God, gosh, Rob, what happened to you? We were up to, at the time of this broadcast, 1,200 Jews that have been killed. Jews have a population in Israel of 7 million. There are 315 million Arabs and Muslims, non-Jew supporting Muslims and Arabs, throughout the Middle East. 7 million versus 315 million. So if they killed... 1,200 Jews, a squad, here's the news for you, Israel would have the right proportionate response, right, to kill, at this point in time, 54,000 Palestinians. That's the proportionate response. It's the same percentage of the Palestinian population as the Palestinians have killed of the Jewish population. There's your, there's your proportionate response, girls. And one last thing. Is there any way to save this country? Well, there's always intercession. I wish I had more time to go into it. But write this passage down. Nobody looks at this passage. Exodus 34, 24. Exodus 34, 24. And it puts the onus on men in the United States to be men of God. How do I know that? Because in 3424, it says the Lord saying, For I will cast out the nations before you. I will enlarge your borders. Neither shall, listen to this, neither shall any man desire to possess your land if you go up, men, and appear before the Lord God in Jerusalem three times a year. What God is saying is that the men of Israel would keep the three non-negotiable feasts, which I don't have time to get into. If they would do their godly duty and go to Jerusalem three times a year, serve God, the men, not the women, the men, with a whole heart, God would eliminate the desire of foreigners to want to come in and possess their land. Wow. Wow. Okay, now you know why we have these broadcasts. Men, rise up. Assume your proper place, your duty. Be part of the answer, not part of the problem. Become the man of God. Stand up, speak out, speak up, and act. Faith without works is dead. Oh, man, I'm exhausted. But thank you for bearing with me. Pass this message on, please. 
This is Robin Walter encouraging you, America, to sit tall in the saddle. Remind you, you ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. We'll see you next week.